keeping with our postures tonight, would you stand for this reading? This is a reading from the Gospel of John. These are the words of Jesus, the one who came to save us. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. The word of the Lord. I have talked to you a little bit uh, the past week about a different way of thinking about Lent this year. Um, And I'm encouraging you to think of Lent more as a retreat, uh, more of a time to find rest for your weary soul. (laughs) Rest for your weary soul. (laughs) Rest for your weary soul. To, uh, if you're going to fast, obviously fast however the Lord leads you, but particularly think about removing things that take time so that you can create space just to spend time with the Lord, to enjoy the Lord, to do the things that, that give you joy in your relationship with the Lord. And I thought the way that we could approach it would be to reflect on Jesus' teaching on the vine. And if I had to pick one passage that summarized the life of a disciple, this would be on my short list. Um, and our theme this Lent will be Abide and Go. And uh, if we could have that slide up there. Also, on the back of your bulletin, we've printed the whole uh, passage, and we'll do that each week. And on the bulletin, we've circled them, and on here, we've identified them. One of the things that you'll notice is how frequently the Lord uh, uses the word abide or bear fruit, go and bear fruit. It's really the theme of 
this whole wonderful passage which he gives the night before his death, preparing the disciples for life after the resurrection. And one of the things that's so beautiful about it is, is the balance that's there. There's abiding. We'll spend a lot of time thinking about what that means, that intimate, deep, rich connection with Christ. And there's bearing fruit. That's our life of faith in the world, our life of mission, going out and serving him. And they both go together. So the series we're calling Abide and Go, there's a beautiful harmony there. And, and Christians tend to have a kind of a, an either-or balance. We tend, Martin Luther used to say we're like drunks on a horse. We fall off one side and then we fall off on the other. And uh, I don't even have to drink to do that on a horse. But, <laughs> but the, the, we get out of balance. And so sometimes Christians really focus on abiding and intimacy with Christ, but not as much on serving in the world. Sometimes focus is all on serving in the world and not as much on intimacy in Christ. Or sometimes we call it contemplation and activism. And what I think this passage is calling for is, and this is not my term, a contemplative activism. Uh, that we are people who abide deeply in Christ And out of that abiding, we discern our vocation, our calling in the world. So each week, we're going to take a small portion of the passage to meditate on. And uh, I encourage you, if you're you're looking for a Lenten uh, practice, to take the the verses that we cover on Sunday and then meditate on them throughout the week. And uh, you can read them slowly, look at a word or phrase that sort of strikes you, and then just meditate on it. Why is the Spirit pointing your attention to that verse. Is it a promise for you? Is it a, a guidance? Is it a, maybe a, perhaps a gentle correction? Think of it um, like that. It might also be fun in your small groups. I know of several small groups that are just going to sit uh, in this passage for Lent. So it might be a good way for us to just spend time together in God's Word during Lent. And the sermons will be a little bit different. We're just going to uh, reflect verse by verse on, uh, on, the, uh, on the teaching. So let's start off. I am the true vine. Seven times in Jesus' gospel, Jesus says, I am, and then fills it in. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. Now, why does he do that? Well, in the, in the Greek, uh, the way you say I am is one word, amy. And he could have just said uh, amy and then had the, the, the word the vine. Um, but he adds the Greek word for I, ego. So it's ego, amy. And it's a way of underscoring the significance of the pronoun. So it's like highlighting it or bold-facing it or saying I and only I or I and I. I and I alone am the vine. Now, why is that significant? Well, in the Hebrew Bible, God reveals his name as I am. Exodus 3.14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Now, when the Greek translators translated the Hebrew scriptures into what's called the Septuagint, And they were looking for a phrase to translate the Hebrew for I am, which is Yahweh. They came up with ego eimi. So when our Lord describes who he is, he takes the name Yahweh from the Hebrew scriptures and applies it to himself. So already in the first two words, we have uh, the Lord uh, 
reflecting on his divinity. He says that he is the true vine. Uh, Vineyards covered Palestine, still do today, and everyone knew that for a branch to be healthy, it had to have a a vital connection with the vine in order to bear fruit. And so what what Jesus is saying in in this picture is, I am the source of life. And that really is what this whole passage is about. He's saying, I am the source of life. He says, I am the true source of life. There's several Greek words for truth. This one means real, authentic, or genuine, true as opposed to false. So he's saying, I am the only genuine, authentic, real source for life. There's many others, but I am the true one. So Lynn is a good time to ask the question, where am I looking for life? Where am I trying to find meaning and purpose? Where am I trying to find security or significance? Is it in the true source of life or somewhere else? Jesus says, my father is the vine dresser. Uh, A vine dresser closely monitored and evaluated his vineyard. He pruned the vines daily, removed dead branches, distressed fruit to make way for new growth. He focused on keeping pests away. He made sure the vine had enough water. In the fall, he harvested the crop. And I didn't know this until I looked it up this week. Uh, A vine dresser would typically stay with the vineyard for many years. And he would begin to know each individual vine because each plant had different needs. And he would discern over time what each unique plant needed so that it would grow. And God's, or Jesus says our Heavenly Father is our vine dresser. He, he is responsible for helping us bear fruit. He, he knows you individually. He knows what you uniquely need to be able to bear fruit. And I I find that that is very helpful to think about in times of difficulty, pain, loss, chaos, that behind all of it, there is a vine dresser, someone that is working through these painful things in your life to help you bear fruit. Well, and what does Jesus mean when he talks about bearing fruit? Well, I think a first century listener would, would think, well, that is what a vineyard is supposed to do. To bear fruit is to bring forth what you were created to bring forth. It's to uh, fulfill the role for which you were created. It's to become what you were supposed to become. It's to be healthy. It's to be mature. And so I think bearing fruit is becoming who God made you to be. It's discerning your place in the world. It's living out your calling in the world. It's becoming what we are intended to become. Now, every person in the, in the ancient world knew this truth, and the Hebrew writers referred to it frequently, that just because you had a vineyard didn't mean that the vineyard would become healthy and mature. Uh, God asks in Isaiah 5, what more could I have done for my vineyard? Why did it just yield wild grapes? 
In Jeremiah 2, God says, I planted you as a choice vine. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? See, there are a lot of pests that stalk our vineyard. There are a lot of threats in life that work against us growing spiritually. There is disappointment. There is suffering that seems meaningless. There is relational conflict. There is cynicism. All of these things work against us from bearing fruit. And so one of the things that we need to think about uh, in, in Lent, and I think we need to be gracious with ourselves and, uh, and gentle with ourselves, but part of the principle here is spiritual and personal growth is not automatic. It doesn't just happen. You don't become the person that God created you to become just by breathing. Not everyone finds and fulfills their role in life. Not everyone becomes what God created to become. Sometimes we wither on the vine. Obviously, there's much grace here, and none of us get there perfectly and all of that. But one of the things I want you to think about, again, gently during Lent, is what's the trajectory of my life? Not just today, not just this week, but am I growing? Uh, am I moving towards who God created me to become? Or am I kind of stuck or maybe degenerating, as Jeremiah says? Well, how does the vine dresser help us bear fruit? Well, that's what verse 2 is about. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, what is he talking about there? Um, some people think he's talking about salvation, and he's, he's saying that uh, if a person over time does not bear fruit, it shows that they're not connected to Christ uh, in the first place, and so they're, they're taken off the vine. Um, and we'll talk about that in a later verse. I don't know if that's what he's talking about in this text for several reasons. First of all, Jesus says, every branch of mine that does not bear fruit. So Jesus is talking about his children. And he says in John 10, 28, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch, snatch them out of my hand. So I don't, I don't, I don't think this is talking about uh, a fruit test where this year you don't have enough, so he lops you off. There's also a principle when you study parables or metaphors. You don't make the individual details of the parable walk on all fours. You don't push them for doctrinal clarity. You look at the big theme. What's the big theme? The big theme is how the father, how the vine dresser prunes so that there is fruit. And I think that's what he's talking about here. This is about sanctification, not salvation, I think. And sometimes, I'm not a gardener, but I know this much. Sometimes you take off a whole branch because it's dead. Sometimes you take off parts of a fruit-bearing branch. I think the big idea is pruning. That one of the ways God helps you become who you're supposed to become is by pruning. By cutting back things from our life. And this is the last little thought I want to think about tonight. Um, and and I, I thought a lot about this this week. And I... Um, because I don't like it much. Um, 
I don't like the idea of pruning. It literally means to cut back. And, and think about in our culture, you know, cutbacks are not good, right? If you have cutbacks at work, not good. Church cuts programming, not good. Uh, I got cut from the swim team my sophomore year. That wasn't very good. <laughs> you know, being cut is not a, a good thing. Uh, we like growth, 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 growth. Um, vineyards can grow rapidly and wildly and spread over large areas, but when a vineyard is not cut back, it stops bearing fruit. And so the idea seems to be that God will, as a loving vine dresser who cares for you, remove things from our lives so that we will grow. Uh, David Leach was telling me he was on a drive through a Napa Valley and he was looking at some vineyards and I honestly have only seen them from afar. And it, it was during a season when they'd been doing a lot of pruning and he said he was shocked. They actually stopped the car and went over to look that these massive vineyards had actually been cut back right back to the very branch. All sorts of uh, debris was all over the place because it had been cut so closely back. And a little Hamilton has a I'm having trouble putting my words together. <laughs> Little Hamilton. Linda Hamilton <laughs> has a grapevine in her backyard. And she said she let it go wild for a few years. Nothing came out of it. Then one year she just pruned the, 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 pruned the heck out of it. And uh, then the next year there was just beautiful grapes. So it's counterintuitive, this idea of cutting into, of removing, of taking away things to create growth. And I don't remember much from biology, but you know the principle. There's only so much vine or so much sap in the vine, so you cut away things so that the sap can flow freely into the healthy branch. And that's the, the metaphor here. So as I was praying about this, I was reminded of a book somebody gave me years ago about business. It was called Necessary Endings. And uh, it, it wasn't about really the spiritual life, but it was, well, it was about how sometimes in an organization it's necessary for the growth of the person and the organization to let them go. I mean, that's what the book was about. That's not what this is about, but I think the principle is there that sometimes there are necessary endings in our lives to prepare us to grow. That's hard because we don't like stuff to end. Have you ever noticed how fun it is to start stuff? Dan's a marathoner. It's really fun to start that marathon. <laughs> Those last five miles are not so, not so fun. Everybody loves new things, new programs, new classes, new churches. It's kind of hard to stop them. It's kind of hard to shut things down. So one of the things that I, I want to ask you to think about, is there a necessary ending in your life that God might want to talk to you about this Lent? And how do you feel about that? Are you, are you open to the vine dresser pruning you? You know, I think this can be anything, right? It can be particular practices of our life. Uh, I guess it could be dreams. Uh, 
Maybe even certain ways we're in a relationship, certain seasons of a relationship. Um, Maybe even certain beliefs that we thought were from God and maybe they're not. So one of the things I'd like you to consider as we start out is, are there any necessary endings in my life? Is, Is there any pruning that the Father wants to do this Lent to prepare me to bear fruit. And when I, I got to that point in my study this week, actually it was on Ash Wednesday, we had three services and I had some extra time and I started to pray about pruning and I couldn't finish the <laughs> I couldn't finish the prayer. I kept starting and saying, Lord, would you prune? Lord, would you prune? Lord, I give you permission to prune. <laughs> and I, kept, I couldn't say it. Um, and so I wrote it down. And uh, this is the prayer of my heart for Lent. And uh, I'm going to pray it now as we end. And if you're not ready to pray it, don't pray it. But I'll, I'll put it out there. And uh, you can pray it later. If you are ready, we can pray it together. Join me in prayer. Dear Father, I mean, you do it quietly. <laughs> Thank you for sending your son Jesus to be the true vine the source of life. Forgive me for the many ways I try to find life apart from Him. I want to bear much fruit. I want to find and fulfill my purpose in the world. I invite you to prune my life so that I might bear more fruit. Please remove any dead or diseased branches from my life so that they do not drain away the life-giving spirit energy I need to bear your fruit. You are a good father. You know what I need. You only want what is best for me and those that I love. I trust you. I welcome your pruning. In Jesus' name, amen.